Welcome to the Joe Danier podcast. So this is two consecutive days after being off a month for my out west trip. Um, you know, I, I had lots of time sitting behind the wheel to think about things that I wanted to talk about, and I had no outlet. I couldn't text or talk or do much of anything, and I was driving 10 freaking hours a day, so the last thing I wanted to do when I got to my destination is get on the computer and use technology. In fact, I, I stayed as far away from technology as I possibly could get. I set out knowing that I was getting awful addicted to my regimen of looking for things on social media to read and pay attention to news items to invest emotional energy. Nothing of it was fulfilling. I got some dopamine out of the deal, but I really didn't have any purpose. Some of the things I was most excited about, I was spending the least amount of time doing. So if you put it on a spreadsheet, let's say I was spending four hours a day looking for information on social media and news, and I was spending 30 minutes a day developing a brand new idea or something I was excited. So what I wanted to do is I didn't want to deprive myself of the dopamine from technology, I wanted to invert it where I was spending a majority of the time the things that I cared about and less time of the things on so social media. So one of my first plans was I got a standing desk where I was sitting down way relaxed in front of a in front of a computer and I figured if I took the chair away that I'd get tired after a certain amount of time and I'd wander away, right? And I, it was good in theory, I guess, but what I what I ended up doing what that worked other than the stand I still have the standing desk, but I what ended up working better than the standing desk is give myself this sh super short window instead of grazing, right? I went I couldn't walk up to the mouse until I had an actual purpose and when that purpose was done I'd walk away. I could walk up to the computer 52 times a day if I had an actual purpose. But what I couldn't do is just sit there and wander into a purpose because that's where all of my time was, was getting sucked. So this this last trip was amazing because it broke those habits and I find myself doing very little of just scrolling aimlessly. Uh, I'm going from task to task because I'm, you know, super excited, you know, about everything. So uh, it's it's making it nice. I, I feel a lot better. There's a lot less lot less guilt and shame when I look at the uh, budgeted hours. My wife and I have talks about this all the time. And as adults, you know, money budgeting makes sense because you have to pay bills with the amount that's in your bank account and things are important like your rent and your electricity because bad things happen when you misappropriate uh, the 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 funds, the resources, the money. But time is equally as you know, uh, as important to budget as, as money is because there's a finite amount. You only get to spend so much of it. And all you can do after the fact is, you know, regret the fact that you spend it, you know, in a, uh, inappropriately. And so, you know, we have these, uh, you know, I don't care what you spend. And when I'm coaching someone on the, on the money side, I don't care what you spend, just do it on purpose. So if you want to spend $500 a month, uh, put it on a sheet that at the beginning of the month, I want to spend $500 a month in, in restaurants, right? And it's so long that you look at it and say, yes, that makes me feel real good. Then you keep doing it. But if you look at the number and you're like, I can't believe I did that, then you did it through idiocy, through delusion, where you could have known that number if you'd have paid attention every day and what your spending was. And before you walked in a restaurant, you kind of know what you spend and just add that stuff up ahead of time. And then say, before I do this, is this meal worth a hundred bucks? Do I really want to do this? And if you're, if the answer is yes, then do it. My only first obligation is that you can do all things that you want to do, just doing them on purpose and moving your gaze ahead of time. Uh, so that, you know, you're, you can't, you, you don't have to get to the end of the month and be shocked that you spent $500. I watch these people on a regular basis, get up to uh, Christmas. And then after they buy presents 
on Christmas like they do 20 consecutive years, be surprised that they spent money on Christmas and now they have to pay it back, right? So you could start worrying about that on January 1st and February 1st and March 1st and every month after that and say, you know what, I'm going to spend this money anyhow. Let's put a little bit of that aside. And then when it comes to uh, December, instead of me going into debt, I can pay for what I have, right, in that little envelope that I did all year long. And that's really what it is. Time is the same way. If I wake up saying, you know what, I'm going to spend 30 minutes on social media today. Then I get up and I spend my 30 minutes. And when it's gone, I move on to the next thing. And when you get to the end, you're like, the, the four hours that I spent and the 30 minutes that I spent, what, what was I... Uh, was I deprived? What, what did I didn't get access to because I limited my, my exposure to that? And uh, when you're honestly, at the end of the day, uh, you re- you're going to regret the $500 in meals because you could do it much cheaper, probably with better food, better tasting food and better experiences. Because I would say the 80-20 rule, 20% of those purchases are things that you would do in a heartbeat again. 80% of them are you pissing it away because you were too lazy to do what you should do, what the principles would tell you to do and what intelligence would tell you to do. So that's that's where I use it. I'm kind of very liberal using uh, the liberal use of the 80-20 rule to prove to myself, to leverage myself that I do stupid things every day and just through a process of not really using guilt, just using intelligence, would I do that again if given the choice? If I got in my time machine and traveled a, a day back, would I would I let that day roll out the same way? And so that's what my my planning um, and my thoughts are able to do. But I'm I get, you know, we're creatures of habit. So I got stuck in that same thing where I get up the same way and I get on the computer the same way and I get dressed the same way and I go to work the same way. And I was finding that even though I was getting a lot done, that it wasn't as efficient as a third party who walked through the door who didn't knew me didn't know me and could objectively look at what I'm doing and call me stupid when I'm being stupid. Because when it's me doing my auditing, I make reasons and excuses for my stupidity, so I make them less feel, you know, feel a little less stupid. But that third party doesn't know me. It's not anything personal. They're not gunning for me. They're just going to call stupid when it's stupid. So when if you're able to slide outside of you, break those processes up. Uh, when we were driving back, I, sa- I said to my wife, if we return home and do any of the same stuff that we did when we left, it's because we want it in our lives. This is like the major reset button. So what I love about going on a vacation, if you can go uh, if you can go away long enough that you forget what you were doing before you left, you can bring anything you want back through the front door when you get back. And that's a it's a liberating feeling because you you know you you hold yourself hostage to the habits that you had yesterday and then you can break free if you use vacations not to do escapism like escapism is part of it just so you forget what you're doing before you left but then when you roll out of the vacation and in your normal life again you get to start deciding things like okay my schedule and my finances and what i ate and my exercise routine and how i went to work and my attitude and my spirituality my fine all this stuff you get to put together and say these are the things i was happy about and i'm gonna keep doing them and these are the things that sucked and i'm gonna try to do different and even if you only take 10 percent of the change list and able to accomplish it, then that vacation was the most valuable vacation that you've ever taken. Now, if you come back and just pick up where you left off, then that was the worst vacation you ever spent because you had the cha- the chance and you pissed it away. You didn't take quite advantage of it. Now, on this show, um, pretty much every show that I've done, I look through what is trending and um, and and see if anything that you know, that's on the the trending radar is something that I could ever talk about. And it rarely is. Uh, One thing, because I'm a business guy and because I'm a technology guy uh, and and I do pay attention to politics and news, even even though I don't uh, try to allow 
those two things to influence who I am. I'm an optimist and a builder and a visionary and experimenter. I, I don't allow the news to kind of be an anchor uh, or pessimism or negativity to bring me down and convince me that you know, there are limitations or scarcity or anything like that. Uh, the one thing that uh, that I was talking about yesterday is, is, you know, we've been in these cycles, these economic cycles for my entire life. There's always been chaos somewhere in the world. There's always been a war. There's always been an economic downturn. There's always been inflation. There's, al- there's always been something, right? And so there's never been a p- time in my life where everybody was just sitting back and they were, they were picking fruit and there was nothing to worry about. That doesn't really exist. So when, you know, the stock market goes down, uh, it's supposed to. Like, if it just went up forever, then, you know, there would be no benefit in it. Nothing, you can't have perpetual growth in one, you know, trajectory forever. There has to be these uh, pendulum swings back to, in the other direction. So if you know this, if you know you're going to have good times and bad times in every department, and a lot of times they're going to be going in, in opposite directions. So, for instance, when housing is at a high, right? I'm never buying a house when housing is at its high. I'm going to try to line up when I buy a house when housing is is at a low. And I'm using that as an analogy or, or a metaphor. The, um, you know, you're buying stocks. You're going to buy stocks when the Dow has hit uh, the 20 consecutive high. Are you going to wait till you get a big correction where everybody's scared to own stocks? Well, if you're smart, you're going to save up all of your money and wait until you know, the reset button gets hit in the stock market and then you're going to buy. So I was asked yesterday about uh, labor and inflation and recession. And, you know, I do all of my buying when things are on sale, right? And so when things are on sale, which means like if you were, if you're holding a bunch of debt and then inflation hits, do you know what happened? Like your debt got paid off a little bit because inflation took a chunk out of debt. Now, if you're holding cash, it sucked for you because the value didn't hold in the cash that you were holding and it became a little less valuable. So uh, all of my debt went down a little bit. I had some cash and and I tried to you know get rid of that as much as I could and, and buy something that was going to have, to have a chance to go in the other direction. I was talking to someone last night, you know, Bitcoin dropped below 20,000 and they loaded up on it when it was low. I did the same thing right after COVID, did the same thing. It went down to 19, 18,000 and loaded up and it went back up the 40,000. But all of these things have these cycles of, of uh, you know, when it's high, people feel like buying because they get bought into the emotion that goes along with increased in value. And when it's low, they get scared and think that it's going to go low forever. But, you know, you just got to pay attention long enough and know that I know this is going to happen. And it's usually when you're most reasonable is when things are good. So if you sit back and try to be reasonable and say, you know what, this housing market is really good. But I bet you that the housing market is uh, one day going to correct, something's going to fall apart, and it's going to take a dump, right? And so I want to buy a duplex, but I'm not going to do it right now because that would be silly. I'm going to wait till it's on sale. When COVID hit, myself and every other person on the planet went and bought a motorhome, right? Uh, Because vacations got shut down, travel was difficult, there was no trains, no airplanes, no, no anything. You couldn't go. If you want to like to travel... You had to do it by car or do it by motorhome. So we bought a motorhome with our, uh, we ended up having a cruise schedule that got canceled. So we moved all of our cruise money and bought a motorhome. And I was thinking like, I was at the dealership and the salesperson said, hey, you know what? Inventories are really low because everybody just made a, you know, made their way to the dealerships and bought all these RVs. I'm thinking, you know what's going to happen in a couple of years from now? That all of the people that this is a good idea during COVID, when COVID 
is gone, there might be some people who are going to offload these RVs because now there's no not a big a demand to travel. Like it was a demand because it made sense to travel that way. But what happens when they maybe don't like RVs anymore? They gave it a shot or they can get back to doing what they normally do, which is cruise and, and uh, air travel. Let's predict a day where there's going to be a glut of used RVs. And if I wanted to be in the used RV rental business, I would be saving up all of my cash while things were still at ultimate highs. There was huge amount of jobs and money and everything was flowing. I would be stacking checks, stacking checks. And then when the time came, I would keep pulling. I put my finger out to the wind, licking the tip and put it out in the wind and find out if it's time yet. Are there, you know, checking the RV sales when I start seeing them show up on social media, uh, you know, it's going to, there's going to be a time where you're going to be able to pick it up for less money than you did or, or you could have when it was at its high. Because remember, if you have an oversupply, you have more sellers than you bu do buyers and you have a recession and you have uh, a, a hike in interest rates, all of that stuff slows down. So all of those things are going to be forced down in value. So you're taking the inflated dollar value and investing it in a deflated goods value and you make a little bit of ground back up on what, uh, what you purchase. And then you can turn it into that business where you rent the motorhome or the apartment or starting a business. Because, you, you know, when you're picking out a, a commodity item or an item that, uh, you know, people are, aren't, aren't an elective to people, you know, when people go on vacation, what, what's the first, you know, trimming that somebody does uh, when they're cutting something out of their budget is stuff that they don't need to do. So they still need to put uh, gas in their car and utilities and they're still going to do certain things. So when you picture what you think people are going to do versus what they're going to cut out, you know what, when uh, nobody's buying something, that's when you want to be the buyer. Right. You want to you want to take advantage of that. It feels really bad when you buy when something's going down and it continues to slide further. That is the worst feeling because in your brain you were like, I should have timed it better. I should have waited a little bit longer. Problem is, you don't know if something's going to keep sliding. So, you know, when when I would buy stocks, I would use, you know, especially if you're doing more than. Uh, one purchase of something, you buy an inverted pyramid where you, you buy a little bit. And then if it goes down more, you buy a little bit more. And then when you sell it, you do it in the other direction. Now, I understand if you're just buying a duplex or an RV, it's not something that you could buy multiple of, but you could make advances uh, on some things, you know, in that same vein. And it's psycho. Like I said, it's, I, I wanted to point out that psychology because sometimes it's, it's really tough to overcome the, I told you so's and the fears that your own brain will concoct where you buy the stock and it goes 10% lower. And then you're thinking, wait, one day. And I already lost 10%. Well, you got to look at the reason that you bought it and where you think it was going to go. So if I bought, if I think Bitcoin is a $40,000 deal and it's at 30,000, and it go and I buy and it goes to twenty thousand, right? I'm I have to pay attention to why I bought in the first place, which is forty thousand. I don't care where it is right now. If it's lower than it is now, that could buy again if I wanted to. But now if I'm done, if I'm waiting for 40, I'm done. I don't have to think about it until it gets to 40 and and then I sell it. So uh, I, again, that's it's it's tough sometimes to wrap your head around that psychology because it's a lot of you controlling you. A lot of you will give into that fear, uncertainty, and doubt, and it is so freaking toxic. You think you're just being a realist. You think that you're just being, you know, kind to yourself and you're not, you're beating yourself up. So stay optimistic on this and know that when these, when times get, there will always be tough times in one department and 
you know, smooth times in other departments and just be a buyer on the downside in any one of those departments. If you've never listened to me before, I have seven these categories that I'm constantly in flux. And when I cite them, I only come up with six, but I'll tell you them real quick. So I'm looking at in this order usually. So I, I write these, these down. I sit at my desk in the morning and I say, how am I in the finances department? So I check my bank balances and I look at everything and I, I get a sense for how healthy I am. If I was like, yep, good and healthy. So I'm either, because remember, everything is decaying if you're not paying attention to it. Your health is decaying, your finances are decaying, your relationships are decaying, your spirituality is decaying. Everything's decaying if you're not looking at it. So the chances are you're going to spend X amount of time and you're going to invest it in one of those categories so that you remove and you nurture some health back into something that's decaying. So maybe my finances haven't decayed yet to the point where it's unhealthy, but something on my list has. So my physical health, for instance, I haven't worked out. I ate really crappy food. I'm not feeling all that great. So maybe I would put physical health above uh, financial health. And if I have 10 minutes of free time, what am I going to do? I'm going to make a little bit of an investment in trying to feel a little bit better. Maybe I cut something out of my diet. Maybe I add something to my diet. Maybe I exercise a little. I do something. So, but every day I challenge myself to add 1% of an, uh, of an investment into something that is, I know is trailing off. You don't have to like question that. You just know the scientific principle that if it's, if you're not building it up, if time has gone by, it is absolutely decaying. And it's up to you just to find out if if something is decayed, uh, you know, far enough that you're going to start suffering the effects of ill health. And every one of those categories has an ill health. So if your finances, you know what ill health feels like in the finances. You know what ill health feel, feels like in in physical health, in relationships. Like that was a big one for me. I had some you know, really putrid relationships that were killing me. I didn't invest some time into getting some better relationships. Uh, my professionalism in my job and, and uh, you know, how was that doing? And, and my spirituality, that's a tough one. Spirituality uh, is a very personal pursuit. And so when you're trying to become healthy in spirituality, I would not really take much of uh, the public's, uh, you know, a public sampling or a public poll of uh, and opinions of, of, of what other people, because spirituality means so many things to different people. And you're, 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 you're dealing with a lot of unknowns. You're serving things that are a little invisible. And, you know, this philosophical approach of trying to improve yourself by buying into that there's a world bigger than you or a person bigger than you or a God bigger than you or something that's bigger than you. You are not the biggest. There's something bigger than you. And your spirituality is, is you trying to define that for yourself in a way that works well, calibrates your mind uh, with your lifestyle. And so if you, if you've got something where your, your spiritual belief is choppy, where you have some, uh, some, things that are provoking bad feelings or it's just not working well with you, then you got to keep discovering what works for your spiritual. It gets you up out of bed and gives you purpose for doing the right thing, keeps you honest and keeps you giving and keeps you being a great uh, person in society. That, that That's why that pursuit shows up probably most often. I would say relationships and spirituality is something that I'm in a constant uh, battle to keep super healthy because I, I just honestly like you put money in the bank and you could put physical health where you can do stuff. Uh, and what ends up happening, you get mentally lazy. And when you're mentally lazy, that's when I do all my stupid stuff. And then I have to go to spirituality to dig myself out and say, why did I lie? Why did I cheat? Why did I steal? Like, wh why, why do I do bad things when I'm lazy? Let's try not to be lazy anymore. And I find that if, if I drill myself into trying to not uh, be lazy and try not to, uh, or, or trying to develop some health in those departments, then there isn't, 
the ailments, and but it's all the same. Uh, uh, an ailment from finances and a physical ailment from ill health and a spiritual ailment. They're all things. There's repercussions, bad things in your world that you created because of your actions. And the way to rip those out of there is to reverse those actions. And you go into it saying spirituality, I need to meditate or pray in the morning, uh, physical health. I need to run or exercise, uh, you know, financial health. I need to, you know, remove something from my budget or add something to my income. But you, you know, it. it's all intuitive, but don't, out argue yourself. You know what to do. Just don't try to overthink this. Do the same thing that I do. Create some categories every day. Spend a couple minutes a day trying to add something new to help those things. So I hope you out today. I hope I helped you out today, and uh, we'll keep doing consecutive Joe Danier podcast. See you next time.